Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Monday. It is December the 18th, and I'm wearing a special edition shirt. You know what? We did a, uh, a space last night. It was the Serafan space, much to my everlasting shame. That is the name you guys have come up with, so we'll just go with it. There was a Twitter space that kept me up quite late, and what I noticed in there, because I always scroll down to see who is watching and who is participating, and there are an awful lot of people in the EMS world that seem to be interested and that follow me on the social media places. And so for uh, for all of them today, we are wearing this. This is the last line strength. This is the red line. The red line is for firefighters and EMS, the people that go and answer the call, the first responders when you have a medical issue or you decided to let your house on fire. We just had a couple of people fire off fireworks the other day. Literally, 6.57 in the morning, I look outside. All my neighbors and I had a conversation about this. I'm standing there. I'm drinking my first cup of coffee. And, uh, and it's like a Saturday morning and it's like, like who in the hell sets off fireworks in the middle of December? Um, the people who answer that call, especially when you light your house on fire first thing in the morning, it's going to be firefighters and EMS. So we're wearing the last line shirt to them. We will uh, talk about that in just a little bit. We'll go through and uh, plug Garrett Boyle sweatshop, but let's, uh, let's get rocking and rolling about what we're going to deal with today. Cause today is an interesting day. We stepped into, I think a biblical situation and we're able to see it kind of as we as kind of zoom out for the year of 2023. What a ridiculously bizarre year. We have gaslighting happening at a pretty epic level. And they're doing their best to let us know that we actually live in a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to cover down on a bunch of different stories. I think they all kind of tell the same story. And um, I think we could just laugh about it, honestly, because if you remember what happens, some people walk away. There's a few good people in this country that are holding back the uh, the fire and the brimstone, perhaps. Let's go ahead and start with a video, and then we're going to go into a sponsor after that. But I want to give you guys a taste of what I saw that made me realize, yeah, this, this is the show today. Uh, video number one, Ryan, if you would. This is going to set the flavor for the day, and then we'll launch in and we'll say thanks to our sponsors over at Catholic Vote. Video number one first. Character is on the ballot. Compassion is on the ballot. Decency, science, democracy, they're all on the ballot. Who we are as a nation, what we stand for, and most importantly, who we want to be, that's all on the ballot. How old are you, 17? And the choice could not be more clear. <laughs> there it is. It's a little taste of everything that this year has encapsulated, whether it be twerking Easter bunnies or cocaine at the White House or sniffing little girls and accusing them of being teenagers. It's all there. Topless trannies. Uh, I will not be showing the video. Apparently, there is a new office vacancy. There is a, a new job available on Capitol Hill in the Senate for uh, Ben Cardin's office. Yeah. What a, what a gross time to be alive. Let's talk about uh, something that's not gross, people that are in the fight for faith, family, and freedom, hopefully things that you also value. We're going to say thanks to my friends over at Catholic Vote. A couple things. Number one, uh, I have advanced on to the finals. I will now be uh, competing with Mark Haup for the Catholic Hero Prom King of the Year. There it is right there. Guys, you see the bracket. We survived every every attempt right now. Ryan, did you vote already? Do you want to vote? Should we vote for Mark Haup? Let's on do it, man. Let's, let's vote for it. Mark Haup on, on the air. Here we go. Uh, let's click it through. There it is. Your options are we vote Mark. Why? I'll tell you why. We're going to bring Mark on here. We get two votes. Add him on there again. Kaboom. And then let's see. Does it tell us what the uh, what the numbers look like? They're being calculated. Scroll down. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. And there it is. Oh, man. I, so far, I'm I'm well ahead. We got to get some votes from Mark, folks. Mark, how I think, faced the single biggest threat. Like the FBI came for my job thing, and obviously I lost my house over it. And that's a bummer. And my wife cried and we suffered uh, some uncomfortable times, no doubt. But I didn't I didn't face down the existential threat of going to jail and going head to head with the DOJ in a way that they might have tossed me into prison. And Mark took a, a case to trial, knowing that he did the right thing, that he didn't have any violations. And he was found and he was acquitted by a, a jury in Philadelphia. And Ryan, I'm still hearing you, buddy. For whatever reason. Mark thought it was the right answer to put it in front of a jury. And after one hour, they came back and said, no, 
this man's not going to jail like that. That takes a certain type of bravery for me. That's man of the year on there. Uh, additionally, what I wanted to call your attention to, catholicvote.org, if you guys go there, they actually have an outstanding tracker. You want to talk about some of the gaslighting that's going on. We're led to believe that Catholics are potentially white supremacists. We're led to believe that we are um, in a world where, <laughs> where, where people who are conservative are really the problem. And what we're actually seeing is a very un- unjustifiable use of this thing called the FACE Act. And what they are not doing, go ahead and click on the read button if you would. We're going to show you the tracker, over 350 attacks on U.S. Catholic churches. That doesn't even include the other Christian churches that are out there that are not being investigated. You guys can actually find this by going to catholicvote.org, clicking on read. The first topic there is going to show you these attacks. We scrolled up just a little bit just for the stats. If you would, um, a little bit higher up on here. There it is. Just the, just the top line stats, attacks on Catholic churches since May of 2020, 385. All right. Since the Supreme Court leak, since the Dobbs decision leak, 220. Uh, and then this year, at least 100, including one one homicide, which we covered last week. All right. This is this is maybe closer to the real existential threat. We're going to talk about some of that in the gaslighting segment. There's actually a really a ridiculous article. It might be the best piece of fiction written in 2023, but this is not. This is nonfiction. This is the factual this is the factual data. These are the churches. This is the map. You guys can check it out. I think it's worth your time. If you're not educated on what's going on, you're not going to be able to refute things. And since we're all coming into that time of year where we're going to be getting together with our friends and family who don't necessarily agree with us, we can present them dispassionately with something that they can they can look at and go, it's irrefutable. There's violence. It's happening. It's happening to people that disagree with what they think politically and you're an American, you shouldn't be condoning that sort of thing. All right, let's dive into some weird stuff. You guys ready? Um, the FBI is my ex-girlfriend and claims to be one thing, but in reality is something quite different. I think many of you have found that sitting with our show. Let's look at the main page of the FBI's website. I want you to see what it is that they claim they are. They claim that we protect the American people and uphold the Constitution. You can report suspicious activities and crime by contacting us 24-7 at tips.fbi.gov. By the way, that was the number one route that we saw people coming in to report the MAGA grandmas of January 6th. That's the way they did it. They came in with that tips.fbi.gov, just defending the Constitution. But I'm going to give you guys a little bit of an alternative. What was really going on? What is the FBI really spending their time at headquarters doing? We found out that the uh, that the Human Resources Department doesn't have an American flag on the wall because they're preoccupied with this. Ryan, do you want to bring up this little tweet we had? It kind of went a little ways. Uh, people started looking at it. They wanted to know what it was that we were able to see that they did not. This is a letter that was leaked to me by an FBI employee. And he or she was concerned that on a Friday, FBI Communications sent out an FBI all email. If any of you work for larger companies, you guys are familiar with these. These are the worst. This is like somebody at corporate decided to tell you what the new policy looks like. And here's the policy. The FBI has adopted LGBTQIA plus acronym. That's literally the headline from the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, which is one of the most useless things in government. Most government itself is just there. It's make work. It exists simply because it needs to exist so that people have a paycheck. We've talked about that pretty long form. This email is a great example of that. I'm going to read it directly to you. The FBI has adopted the LGBTQIA plus acronym in place of LGBT plus. You want to talk about how government works? You can probably guess that somebody put this on their 954. This is the list of accomplishments they have, and they were able to justify going from LGBT plus to LGBTQIA plus it was proposed by a group called Bureau Equality. Now, that's the same people that brought that sort of gnarly gender um, training that we showed you the other day. It was a little bit earlier this year. In fact, it's probably going to get a resurgence. It's one of those evergreen things. They continue to aggressively push. And here's probably the most shocking part of this email. Bureau Equality, one of our nine, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine diversity advisory committees. That's what the FBI spends your money doing. They have people who on duty are doing diversity advisory committees as part of their roles. And when you get one of these collateral duties assigned and you get it approved by your supervisor, they almost always include up to 25% of your job hours can be spent doing this nonsense. Now, one of my nonsensical uh, collateral duties was being a paramedic. I got to spend up to 25% of my time training and doing paramedic operations, whether it be sitting on the side of an evidence dive, making sure the divers didn't die because I was a dive certified medic. It was um, doing additional cardiovascular training, 
It turned out I actually saved a guy's life who died on the floor and I did CPR. So that was something that I was allowed to spend my time doing, becoming uh, more certified and getting more educated and making sure my continuing education for being a paramedic, again, the shirt, we're wearing it today, supporting medics. Um, Bureau of Quality spends up to 25% of their government tax dollar funded time advocating for diversity. Does that bother you? It's approved by executive senior management and it's been used. This particular new acronym is going to promote a more welcoming workplace for members of the LGBTQIA community. You can imagine how many lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual, aromantic, and plus, which is to represent, they even explain it, other gender, sexual, and romantic identities not covered by the other acronyms. Why not just call them the plus people, you'd say? Uh, why do we need to list all these things individually and then why are we adding more to them? because it's the federal government, and this is make work. They've also go on to let you know something a little kind of a dirty secret, including the Department of Justice. There are more than 30 federal agencies that are now using this new expanded form. So obviously the FBI has to jump into it. We want to thank you for your commitment to maintaining diversity, <laughs> equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Do you notice how they keep playing with those words, equality and equity, equity and equality? We've had uh, a guest on here that has talked about that. Equity is sort of the dirty little version where everybody gets the same outcome. Theoretically, equality is that everybody starts from the same place. And they use them interchangeably to try to skew the language. It's quite interesting to me. It's kind of gnarly. And you might think, where in the actual hell did this come from? Because that's what I always think. How did we get here? How did we take an organization that was running down like the Bonnie and Clydes, even if the Texas Rangers got them, or running down like the Dillinger gang, you know, doing interstate bank robberies, to the point where now we are getting uh, bureau-wide emails talking about what you do in your bedroom with your personal sex partner. You know, it just seems, it seems problematic. And the fact of the matter is, is while the ideological capture of the FBI probably happened sometime after September 11th, and we talked about that with George Hill, and that's kind of how they started getting enough people that would be willing to go along with this long form, the executive order actually dates back to the Obama administration. That's going to be shocking to you, won't it? The Obama administration. Here it is. We've got it on the screen. Executive order 13583. The executive order establishing a coordinated government-wide initiative to promote diversity and inclusion in the federal workforce. Hmm. It says, by the authority vested in me as president, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, in order to promote the federal workforce as a model of equal opportunity, diversity, and inclusion. It is hereby ordered section one. There's a policy. Section two, government-wide diversity initiative and strategic plan. So they lay out what their model is. And we're going to go scroll all the way down to section four, the general provisions. Nothing in this order shall be construed to impair or otherwise impact the authority granted. It says... The authority granted by a department or agency or head thereof, including the authority to grant to EEOC by other executive orders or any agency's authority to establish an independent diversity and inclusion office. Oh, Ryan, will you throw up that topic again The uh, from the tweet, topic number one? Can you show us a little picture of what that looks like? What is that from? The Office of Diversity and Inclusion. There's an actual office. And now what's really interesting is, is that particular office reports directly to the director of the FBI. Everybody has seen what an org chart looked like. I imagine if you guys have been in the military, you know that basically like you're in a squad and the squad answers to a platoon, the platoon goes up and so on. Everybody has sort of a way of, of organizing these things and they all go up to some sort of a commanding officer, right? Um, military, law enforcement, sort of the same idea. In the FBI, what we have is we have a office of the director. Belief beneath that is the deputy director. That's Paula Bate. He's the guy that you've seen uh, sort of sparring with Josh Howley and getting the rough end of the deal. And then beneath that, you have all these sort of branches. There are these different branches of national security, and national security has counterintelligence and counterterrorism. You have another one about cyber. You have some others. They, they go down. There's something like five maybe seven of these branches. There's an in independent chain of them that includes like the office of the Obsbudman. And one of those offices is actually the office of diversity and inclusion. It's a direct pathway directly up to the director of the FBI. I said the word direct on purpose a bunch of times. They have a, they have a short shot and they have the ear 
of the person in charge. They don't have to go through another chain of command and have some people who have been in the FBI for decades going like, no, that's a terrible idea. That doesn't represent our workforce. They don't have any filter. So they go up and they say, hey, let us, why don't we do this radical gender training? And, uh, and I guess they say, yeah, we don't want to offend any of the alphabet people. Now, not to be outdone, because Barack Obama doing this was... Um, Barack Obama doing this was, was the beginning of it. Trump actually put a kibosh on that. He told them, you can have your jobs, but you can't do anything. He literally told them to sit around and do nothing, which is kind of what I've argued we'd be better off if Congress did. Wouldn't it be nice if our Congress just did nothing instead of finding new and devious ways to spend our money like they currently do? There's a reason why I said no one for speaker was the right answer. It's because at least they wouldn't be wasting our tax dollars. We can pay them their salary to sit and do nothing. It would cost us about $3 million a month is what we looked at. That would be infinitely better than the hundreds of millions, if not billions, that they are sending to God knows what. Um, so Trump had him do that. And then Biden got into office and Biden decided that he wasn't going to be outdone. He wasn't going to be outdone by Barack Obama. So he signed two different executive orders. One was 13985, which was the advancing racial equity and the support for underserved communities through the federal government. That sounds what our federal government was designed to do, right? I'm just telling you guys, the anti-federalists were correct. There may have been a debate for the last 200 plus years whether the federalist-anti-federalist sort of balance was struck with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The real answer is, is that when you see orders like this, where the uh, the executive office is telling you that they're going to advance racial equity and support communities, the smallest little tier through the federal government, you know we failed. But this particular executive order was, uh, the second one was signed in June of 2021. And it's the executive order on, because you always got to add to the acronym, as you guys just saw, the FBI did the same thing. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, which is what you saw referenced in that FBI email. So this particular executive order goes on and it pushes how we need to do the uh, handle underserved communities. It's going to add a bunch of acronyms to it. They have now added the idea of accessibility, which is to say people who are neurodivergent. You guys might have heard that if you're watching on my Twitter feed this weekend. People crying about wanting special, special treatments, not just for their sex, their sexual orientation, their gender identity, their non-conforming identities, but also people with pregnancy or pregnancy-related conditions first-generation professionals, the list of things that they are willing to do to like, it, it's basically getting down to the point where it is so atomized that it might as well just say that we are just here to serve all people. Except that's not what they want to do, is it? They want to just serve the special people that they think they can lure in to being their voting base. Before we uh, cover who these people are, which I think you guys have seen, and we will uh, we'll go into a little bit long form, let's do a quick sponsor read. Let's talk about my friends over at Patriot coolers. I'm sitting over here. I need a little bit of coffee. Somebody said I don't breathe. I do breathe. I just breathe coffee inward. Go to patriotcoolers.com. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. They've been seeing an uptick. They've been seeing you guys coming in and doing it. Even during Black Friday when you guys were tagging us, we really do appreciate that. There's the uh, the soft pack coolers, an outstanding option if you guys want a lunchbox that looks like a grown-up. It says Patriot on it. You'll let your uh, coworkers know exactly who you are. The 10 cooler pack is probably a pretty good one to take with you. Nothing worse than getting there and finding out that your chicken is spoiled, that your food is not edible. If you guys are in a value conscious situation right now where you're going, hey, uh, things are not cheap. I'm not going to go out and buy my lunch and spend $13 on some garbage fast food. I'm going to bring my lunch. You can do it with this. You can also check out all the tumblers. In fact, if you look on the far right-hand side of the screen right now, scroll down just a little bit further. There it is, the 16-ounce. That's what I've got in my hand right now. I will recommend once again, if you are going to try and drive with it, it's too thick for your cup holder. I promise you it is. It is most definitely too thick for your cup holder, and it will fall, which is what happens when I drive mine to church. If I don't grab the 19, the 19 is the thin one. Guys, check out promo cool, uh, Sorry, <laughs> patriotcoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle, K-Y-L-E. It saves you 10%, and if you spend 50 bucks, you will get free shipping. You can still do it in time for Christmas. This is the last week, so you want to do that pretty soon. All right, let's talk about some of these weirdos. Can we do weirdos? I think we might as well. We're already covering down weirdos. Let me just promise you right up front, I am not going to be showing the video of the effeminate gay man on the receiving end of the physical act of love per, per this website we'll talk about in a minute. We're not going to show that video. If you guys want that, it's all over the place on social media, and it is uh, nauseating to the point where you might want to puke. What we're going to do is talk about something that is equally nauseating simply because it deals with children. There's a man named Carl Frisch. 
And I went to the Washington Blade because why would we cover everything on mainstream news sources? It's more fun to cover things from America's LGBTQ news source. Obviously, they are quite bigoted. They have left off the I and the A. Even the FBI is more progressive than the Washington Blade. And can we just sit for a second? Uh, every time I see it, the Washington Blade, I didn't even know that this was uh, what it was as a source. I just saw WashingtonBlade.com and I was like, oh, like the gay blade? Yes, the gay blade. That's what it is. It's the, uh, it, I think it's the gay news coming out of Washington, D.C. Carl Frisch sworn in with banned books. Oh, so edgy. And if you're looking on our screen on Rumble, what you're seeing is the seal of Fairfax County in the Commonwealth of Virginia, a county that I used to live in, that I paid taxes in for five years. And you're seeing a rotund, overweight, sweaty looking man wearing glasses and kind of a weird beard. And he's got his hand on a stack of books that is being held by another effeminate looking, slightly overweight man. And those two men are gay partners. That's Evan and Carl. And they are swearing in with a judge who has a ponytail. Definitely is getting like Steven Seagal vibes, but uh, without the Aikido. And they are going to read the oath of office, which we're actually going to play for you. It's important to know what is the actual oath of office. Because is this just a school board position where you go, oh yeah, I'm just going to serve the community and I'm here to help? No, that's not what they're swearing into. They're actually swearing in the way that everybody swears in in an oath of office in this country, and it's worth hearing it. Let's do video number two. This is Carl Frisch swearing in to the school board in Fairfax County. Now we'll have the swearing in of Carl Frisch, Providence Magisterial District. Repeat out your name, please. Yes. I, say your name. I, Carl V. Frisch. Do solemnly swear do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States, that I will support the Constitution of the United States, and the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and I will faithfully and impartially, and I will faithfully and impartially discharge all the duties, discharge all the duties incumbent upon me as the Providence Magisterial District member, incumbent upon me as the Providence Magisterial District member to the Fairfax County School Board, to the Fairfax County School Board, according to the best of my ability. According to the best of my ability. Congratulations. That's good. A little kiss at the end there. So they swore into the constitutions of both the United States and the Commonwealth of Virginia on a stack of books that have been, quote unquote, banned. Now, why were they banned? Some of you have followed what we've done talking to people like Moms for Liberty. Tiffany Justice came on here. Can we show the Gateway Pundit article here? Ryan, can we can we scroll down through that? This is what was in some of those books. There's obviously quite a bit more. But just giving you guys a taste, this is animated, I would call it gay child pornography. I don't think that's too far. These are showing supposedly teenage boys involved in their latest gay ship, which I think is a gay relationship. But um, this is the kind of thing that he was swearing in on. Now, if you haven't seen why these books were being banned, these pictures are all over the internet right now. Um, and the text of them, they're graphic novels. They're graphic novels because if they were listed as books, they would be uh, instantly banned. These are mostly um, animated versions of this. Some, some sick pedophile, pedophiles sort of fantasies, right? But interestingly enough, you think, well, this is 2023. He's got kids in the school district. And that's why he's out there running for school board. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to make things better for his kids so they understand what his family life is about to two husbands just loving each other in Fairfax County. Until you realize the about me section of his webpage tells you that he has no children. And he's supported by basically the ACLU and a bunch of pride organizations. Gay pride organizations are the ones that backed his candidacy. And Carl is a former... I don't know what you call it, reporter, propagandist for Media Matters for America, which is the Clinton-founded uh, David Brock organization that just basically puts out a bunch of hate pieces and seems to do an awful lot of coverage of people pushing back against anybody that says something about Pizzagate or the fact that there might be um, child pedophiles involved in positions of power. They seem to do an awful lot of coverage for that. They fall all over themselves to the point where I was even covered because I just took a couple of pictures off Etsy where they were selling photographs, instant download of cheese pizza for three and $4,000. And it went around on social media 
And that was apparently very, very offensive to the people at Media Matters. They debunked it by not debunking anything. They just claimed it was debunked. That's Carl's former employer. It's worth knowing. I think it's very strange and interesting that somebody who doesn't have children is so interested in getting involved in the school districts. Why would they? Because they have a, uh, the ability to dictate curriculum and policies. And so they're putting people into these places. I actually think this is good. I think it's actually, it's beneficial for all of us. And it's not just happening in Fairfax County, although Fairfax County is ultra lib. It also happened in Bucks County, PA. And swearing in on this stack was not original to Carl. He's actually an unoriginal type. He's doing the exact same thing that a lady named Karen Smith did. So we'll pull that up. This is from the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I think these are the two people driving it. It's interesting. A fat gay man and a fat lib mom. That looks like her son. He looks like he's doing great. with The neck beard. It says Bucks Central, our Central Bucks new school board president was sworn in on a stack of frequently banned books. Here's what those books mean to her. Her name, of course, is Karen, Karen Smith. Kind of amusing. While Karen Smith doesn't know why the moment resonated as widely as it did, she explained her reasons for choosing each of the six books. She was sworn into another term as Central Bucks School Board. She placed her hand not on a Bible, but on a stack of frequently banned books. Smith, who was chosen as the president of the new Democratic-led board Monday, wanted to make a symbolic gesture, setting a new tone after the former GOP-dominated board passed a policy prohibiting sexualized content. Yeah, sexualized content's totally cool for kids. That's what she's wanting to say. She says, why would you ban or prohibit sexualized content? It landed to the ban of two books and paved the way for the challenges of 60 others. I think they actually said 61 total books were. Smith, like the other Democrats who previously were in the minority, had opposed that policy, which has become the most con contentious measures passed by the school board in the, its contentious or tumultuous two years in power. She said, I'm not particularly religious. You don't say, Karen, you're not particularly religious? Weird. Huh. The Bible doesn't hold significant meaning for me, and given everything that's occurred in the last couple years, the banned books, they do mean something to me at this point. Is it because they're just so committed to free speech, you think, folks? Is that what's going on? Is Karen Smith, she's so dedicated to free speech and free thought and freedom of discussion and free assembly that she is 100% behind people gathering and opposing things that are being done by their government. I don't know. She's probably like really into uh, people who are January Sixers that were just marching around and maybe had a flag and maybe walked through the Capitol. You think she supports them as she swears in on a stack of books, including the book Flamer? Does that seem most likely? <laughs> people, of course, um, thought it was, it was wonderful and people thought it was terrible. The internet is full of both sides of this. It's her most savage moment said the defense of democracy <laughs> Twitter account. Great. You notice that they always use the word democracy too. I got into this again. There's a reason why we have it in, uh, maybe that's why they wanted to get rid of the, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. Is that possible? They don't want the Pledge of Allegiance because it literally says that, uh, and to the Republic for which it stands. Maybe that's how we all knew when we were younger. Maybe that's why people who grew up until the 1980s, maybe they stopped it in the 90s, I think. But uh, up until the 1980s, it was pretty common for you to say the Pledge of Allegiance, and you actually knew what this country was about. It's not a democracy. They don't say, and to the democracy for which it stands, right? It's to the republic. And they also didn't have a problem saying one nation under God. Mm -hmm. Ah. <sighs> So the books that she had that were the most offensive, I'm just looking at them real quick here. Flamer by Mike Curado. She said she hasn't read it, but she thinks it's really important. Well, that's good. Uh, Beyond Magenta was another one of them. All the Boys Aren't Blue, which we've talked about, all about growing up black and queer with some sexually explicit messages that she called intense. Great. These are the people that are trying to influence what your kids are up to. Now, are you allowed to do this? Is that even possible? Are you supposed to be able to take anything you want and swear in on it? It turns out you are. Uh, we pulled a little article here from Americans United for the Separation of Church and State, which is pretty left-leaning. It's uh, under their section of religious minorities. <laughs> now, the United States doesn't have a democracy. And that means, as a constitutional republic, that we actually defend both minorities of all kinds and also specifically religious minorities. You're actually entitled to practice any faith or no faith the way that you see fit. But we do have some norms, some social mores, 
as George Hill talked about with me on Friday. And there are some things that we generally do. Now, there are a small number of people that have sworn in on a Quran or maybe on some Jewish text. That's a possibility as well. There's a woman that they uh, they cite in this thing about how she swore in on a book, Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And you can do it for different political statements. It's pretty uncommon that people decide that swearing in, uh, they, they recommend two basic things. Either you swear in on a book of faith that's relevant to your particular faith, or you swear in in a secular way on the Constitution. That's what this group says. But we're going to see people taking more and more liberties as we get more and more deep into the clown world. There's nothing that says you must swear in on a Christian Bible, but there's a reason why people do it, and that's because George Washington did. Because we know what our history looks like, and we know that certain traditions are actually valuable. But if you're not going to value the traditions and you want to turn it all upside down, if you want to live in a Sodom or a Gomorrah, then maybe that's what you would choose to do. There's another uh, little book uh, sort of discussion here from a, a website called Book Riot, which looks just by the colors of it to be not that heterosexual. But they just they have an article here, 10 other books that politicians have sworn in on other than a Christian Bible. Like I said, the recommended sort of classy version is that you just do it on the Constitution. The reason why is... You're swearing allegiance to the Constitution and maybe even your state constitution if you want to stack them up. But there are other options people have done. People have uh, sworn in on nothing, which actually that might be the right answer too. If you want to make a statement, how about be like Teddy Roosevelt in 1901 when he was sworn in? He was the youngest president in U.S. history at the time. He stepped into the role. It says here that President William McKinley was assassinated and um, Teddy Roosevelt was doing what? He was out on a hike when that happened. <laughs> was actually out in nature, which is why we love Teddy Roosevelt. He came in, he borrowed clothing, and he stepped into a library, and with no text of any kind, he raised his hand and swore in. That would be a, that would be a statement. I don't think that's really a problem. People have sworn in on the Quran. We had uh, LBJ was sworn in on a stack of Catholic missile prayers, the missilettes, because they didn't have anything else when he was on Air Force One getting flown back. Um, found out that Tulsi Gabbard was actually Hindu, the first Hindu member of Congress. I didn't know that in 2003, or 13 rather. And she swore in on a Hindu text. So be it. There are various different options. Uh, and then it talks to you about some, some local people. Some local folks have chosen to do things. It turns out that I think that when you try to move the needle, they do it at the local level first, and we'll see this kind of thing happening. Uh, we'll probably see a congressperson in the next probably two years try to pull the same exact routine. I would be shocked if that was not the case. Because... We are pushing all the boundaries, and like I said, creative fiction notwithstanding, let's um, let's acknowledge another sponsor before we get into this one, because this one's going to take a, a moment, and I need to kind of prep myself mentally for it. Before we do that, let's talk about something a little bit more rugged. Our friends over at 4patriots.com slash Kyle. 4patriots.com slash Kyle is how you're going to get to all the deals set up at the 4patriots survival website. They've got stuff for camping and RVing. They've got stuff for survival food. They have power and solar options. We were going to highlight again the Lemon Bars. For some reason, every time my mother, who some spends time in the chat, sees the name Lemon Zinger and we do the Lemon Bars, she feels like she needs to go bake Lemon Bars. I'm not mad about that. Lemon Bars are a pretty tasty treat. The uh, the best sellers here you're going to find, they've got all kinds of different options, whether they be the three-month survival pack or, like I said, the emergency food bars. I'm a guy that once I find something that works, I just stick with it. I don't know if you guys have the same sort of experience. I've actually been on t trips uh, when I was in my government job where I literally ate the same meal eight times in a row for seven different days. I just showed up. It was a good meal. And so I just had it. And it turned out it was just steak and sweet potatoes. Pretty straightforward. I'm a lemon bar kind of guy too. If the lemon bar has the calories that's going to keep you going, then that's what I'm going to buy a bunch of. I don't need to go out there and try to have a bunch of variations. I'm not trying to mix and match and, and do cuisine in a survival or a, uh, a land nav scenario. I just want to punch down something that's going to keep me moving. So check out 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Like I said, lemon bars, great option. You're never going to be mad about having them. There's not a lot of variety when you eat only lemon bars, but I'll just say it's got a little bit of zing. It's got a little bit of zest. It's got some sweetness. It's got some calories. You can press on and keep doing your work. Why not? 4patriots.com slash Kyle. All right. Let's get really weird. You guys want to read the the sickest piece of uh, fiction that I have seen in 2023? I think this should get an award. I told you that I would not show you the video of the physical act of love. I'm using my most ironic, sarcastic tone. Let's pull up this article, which was covered in a number of places, but this one I found was actually from AFRU.com. Now, I was trying to figure out what AFRU was because when you go to their About Me page, it doesn't actually tell you what AFRU is. 
but not only do they support black artists and the fact that black lives matter, apparently it's AfricanRenewingUniversity.com, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> and, and here it is fired for his act of love in the Senate. We're going to try to choke down our nausea as we read this. The guy's name is Aiden Mays Zerovsky. His act was symbolic and brave. I'm gagging in my heart right now because in a world full of hate, displays of love are rebellious. We shouldn't bend to a party that hates. We must do the opposite. If you're not sick enough, we're going to keep reading this because there's only one way to know how people on the lunatic fringe of the left operate. Here's the article written by their staff, not attributed to any one person, which makes most sense. I wouldn't want to own this either. So it's official. Senator Ben Cardian's office has told Politico that Aiden Mays Zerovsky is no longer employed by the U.S. Senate. There's a job opening, ladies and gentlemen, at the United States Senate. And all you got to do is not film gay pornography underneath the senator's name that you work for. Goaded by demagogic Republicans. They uh, didn't capitalize Republicans, even though it's supposed to be. The Capitol Police, they misspelled, Capitol Police is actually an organization that's supposed to be capitalized too, um, has now opened an investigation. I can assure you that this investigation is going to be very thorough, probably the same uh, capabilities that they did investigating the murder of Ashley Babbitt. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've already seen the viral video making its rounds. Republicans just can't stop watching the eight-second clips of two men embracing each other in love while you can briefly see an empty room in the background. It turns out one of the lovemaking men was Aiden Mays Zorowski, and the room was recognized by some as the Senate hearing room. We get it. It's the most important room in America. <laughs> it was in this very room that Sonia Sotomayor herself had her confirmation hearing and won despite the entire oligarchy reorienting itself to wipe her out. What? It's also where James Comey exposed, exposed the Russian interference in the 2016 election to the chagrin of the treason party. This is so hard to read. That's false, by the way. Jim Comey, old Mr. Higher Loyalty himself. Pretty incredible. Here where it gets even, even more aggressive. In a world built on hate, displays of love are inherently rebellious. Every second that Aidens and his partners made love in the halls of power was pregnant with poignant, symbolic meaning. Ryan, are you doing okay over there? Are you are you vomiting? This is rough, man. <laughs> this is real rough. This gets this gets fiction of the year. It gets even more fun. In a time when the LGBTQ... See, yet another group that is so bigoted, they haven't even added the IA. Even the FBI knows that there's supposed to be more letters here. AFRU.com. In a time when the LGBTQ community is under existential threat. You guys were thinking that, weren't you? You were thinking these people... The gay, uh, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer questioning community, they're under existential threat by white fragility. Can we just take a breath? They're swearing in on the school board on animated gay pornography. But they're under existential threat by white fragility that's feeling threatened. Displays of LGBTQ culture are necessarily brave. I don't even think they know how these words work. They're just doing like a uh, like a Mad Libs of some of this stuff. Okay, here's the best part though, because you guys are gonna feel like this. When you think about what this guy did, getting pounded in the rear, at work, no less, under the name of the senator that he works for, I would say that's a betrayal of trust in some ways. Calling it an act of love is, is nauseating. I'm sure that they are gonna be living uh, together forever. Did he just meet that guy? Had they even met before? Here's my guess. That wasn't the first time that they did that in that uh, in that room. You know how I know that? Because the first time that you decide to go have sex in public, you're probably not thinking, uh, am I going to set this up with a camera? You might be thinking, can we get away with this? That might be more likely. Unless you're just a complete psychopath. And you have no, no fear of being exposed publicly. Which this guy, you know, there's pictures of him on Instagram wearing leather and other weird stuff. Apparently that's just a thing. But uh, let it be known. This is where it got really wild for me reading this article. In some ways, Aiden's act mirrored that of Anne Frank, who dared to express her honest thoughts and feelings, even as she hid from rabid, insurrectionist-style death squads. Can we just break away for a second here and just kind of digest that one, Ryan? Everything about Absolutely. that was incredible. Aiden's act mirrored that of Anne Frank, 
a Jewish girl who was killed by the Nazis, who was hunted and hidden. She dared to express her honest thoughts and feelings in a journal that was found after she died. Kind of like this guy, Aiden, who got pounded in the ass in public, and then everybody found out about it because it was videotaped, and he's still alive. And he just lost his job because he embarrassed everybody. What in the actual hell are these people thinking? This is, must have been what Sodom and Gomorrah looked like. It had to have been. When this kind of insanity was being expressed, and like I said, the creative writing here is quite incredible. Dared to express her honest thoughts and feelings, and she hid from rabid insurrectionist-style death squads. Do you think that the Nazis that were running after the Jews in the late 1930s and during World War II were insurrectionist-style? <laughs> they were the official power of the state. They were in charge. There was no insurrectionist-style death squads. These people are ignorant of history. They're ignorant of pretty much everything that exists, and that's why they write things that are this creative. There's actually more here. I'm not going to read all of it. I read as much as I can stomach, and uh, at the risk of losing my coffee all over my keyboard here, I'm going to just shut it down right there. Let it be known. This is the kind of craziness. If you guys want to find this article, you can Google fired for his act of love in the Senate. And you can vomit yourself if, let's say, you eat something and it doesn't agree with you. Or maybe you drink too much whiskey and you're thinking, I'm not really a pull-the-trigger kind of guy. I don't want to put my finger down my throat. You can read this and you will vomit immediately if you get to the end of it. Just saying, that's how it's going to work. Now, um, lest we leave it at just that. It's not that kind of gaslighting alone. There's gaslighting happening on every level. My friend Mike Benz tweeted something out. It says, if they don't, they don't believe you, if they don't buy your bullshit then you should definitely double down on it. And that's exactly what happened quite recently. This is what happened with the uh, the story of Claudine Gay. You guys know Claudine Gay? She's the president of Harvard University, supposedly our most august and honorable academic institution. And she was introduced for this academic year as the president in an article known as A Scholar's Scholar. <laughs> you guys are seeing it on the screen right now. She's a scholar's scholar, you know, because she just represents all the best that could exist in Harvard. She's a fam She's got uh, immigrant family members. She came to this in the United States with nothing. And she climbed up to the pinnacle of scholarship. Is that really the story? Let's do the uh, quick little piece from CBS. They mentioned that she's going to stay here. Let's do video number three, um, get a little taste of the coverage of it and some of the people that are in the faculty that are supporting her, and then we'll dig a little deeper into what she's about. Let's do uh, video three. We need to make decisions about leadership uh, based on a sober view of what a person has done and what they have the potential to do and not in a moment of panic. Gay and the presidents of the University of Pennsylvania and MIT have all faced criticism for their responses to questions about anti-Semitism during last week's hearing. Liz McGill, the former president of UPenn, has since resigned. CBS News Boston reporter Louisa Moeller joins us now from outside of Harvard University. Thanks for being with us. Let's just begin with the faculty member's response. Why are hundreds of faculty members and its entire board backing Claudine Gay in wake of this controversy. Well, it Meg, Meg, it seems that the faculty who signed on to that letter, regardless of their personal feelings about Claudine Gay's performance, really wanted Harvard's governing boards to make their decision uh, without external forces as a factor. That is politicians and wealthy donors. And as of yesterday, there were more than 70 politicians, mostly Republicans, who were calling for Gay to resign. It is, of course, unclear whether or not those external forces played a role in the Harvard Corporation's decision. But what we do know from speaking to students here today is that some at least feel that uh, Claudine Gay did not have enough time in her position to really reach her full potential. She is potential. She is the first black president of Harvard University. She's been in her position for uh, less than one semester. And yesterday, more than 800 members of a black alumni group signed a letter saying that they commend her for her role in fighting anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and racism, and of course the corporation in its statement to the community this morning. So they believe she is the best person to help the community here heal. There we go, right there. Louisa. Okay, so she's the best person 
to fight. You ever notice how they conflate these things? It's anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. They have to link them together because they can't own the fact that only one of them seems to be the real problem right now. I don't see a lot of angry Jewish people marching around calling for the destruction of Palestine. It's just not happening. I do see a lot of people that are leftist, useful idiots that are talking about the destruction of Israel. So that's kind of interesting. But this woman, Claudine Gay, who, by the way, apparently is not gay. She's married to that man that you saw in the picture. You want to throw up the scholar scholar one more time? That's her husband, uh, as pictured. She is the right person to lead. And why is she the right person to lead? She's the right person because she's only been there for one semester, guys. She's already screwed up, but we can't, like, fire the first black female uh, president of Harvard who sucks at her job and is not good in front of congressional hearings. And so everyone has to rally around behind her because, obviously, it would be a terrible look if we were to uh, to get rid of this scholar scholar, this fluff job that they did, not only did they write that, there's actually an article written about writing the article. Do you guys want to know how I know this is the most meta thing in the world? When you write an article that's so crap and nobody buys it, what you do is you write an article about writing the article. We've got it on this on the uh, this is the first one I found when I went go looking for the scholar scholar. So once again, Mike Benz pointed out that they wrote the first article. I actually found behind the scenes writing a scholar scholar editor Jonah Rosenberg shares his behind the scenes look at what it took to write his in-depth feature on President Claudine Gay is that not incredible it's it's a letter to the readers of Harvard magazine this is how far they've fallen there's nothing more masturbatorial in my book than writing an article about you writing an article how have we gotten there I mean it's just so silly and what is the allegations against this woman that she's an academic cheat that she's a fraud that she stole work from someone who actually did the work. Let's have it in the words of uh, of Carol Swain, who actually said that, came out, and has now been running around on uh, the, the circuit, kind of talking to people, letting people know, look, the thing that she's actually famous for, her doctoral thesis actually came from my book, which was called, um, it was called The Adversity of Diversity. So let's just hear it in Carol Swain's on Word, video number four. We'll just give her a little chance to make her allegation. Sounds fairly credible to me. She's been on the scene for quite a bit of time. Video number four. I believe the harm to me wasn't just two passages that she lifted from my prize-winning book. I believe it extends to the fact that her whole research uh, program seems to have been derivative of my prize-winning book. She um, cites me in her bibliography, but she doesn't engage the argument. Someone reading her papers would never know that the research questions she pursued, how she set up her research, that all of that was mo motivated from what was the seminal work on minority representation. And for me personally, I would say that she has cheated me out of a lot of citations Harvard University is morally bankrupt, and we see this at every turn. And so now they have themselves in a conundrum where they're trying to redefine what is plagiarism. I believe they're doing this because they don't want to fire their first ever Black president, someone who was clearly a DEI appointee. When I look at her published works, which I argue are derivative of my works, it would not rise to what would normally have been expected to earn tenure in the Ivy League. She has no path-breaking significant work that would want tenure independently of, of the plagiarism. That's it. Let's just take her in her own words. They have bankrupted themselves. They've demoralized themselves simply because they need to be able to protect someone that they brought in. I was kind of curious about who this woman, Claudine Gay, was. So I looked her up. You just go to the uh, the left-leaning and very favorable Wikipedia to kind of get a quick bio on her. She apparently is the daughter of Haitian immigrants. Now, we're always told that when people come to this country, they come here and they have very little and they work their way up. And so that should be an American success story. She should be the story of American greatness that she came from lowly beginnings and became someone who is now the president of this august and very storied university, Harvard University. And then you kind of dig into it just a little bit and you go, nah, that doesn't sound like it checks out at all. 
Her dad was apparently a civil engineer who worked in the Army Corps of Engineering. Her mom was a nurse. Those both seem like those are kind of white collar, but um, non-wealthy jobs. But somehow she was able to go to Philip Exeter Academy, which is probably the most prestigious, if not, it may be one of, but I would argue that it might be the most well-known and prestigious boarding school in the United States. We're not really a country known for boarding schools and prestigious sort of college preparatory schools at, at low levels. This one has got to be right up there at the top. It's in New Hampshire. It's, it's located in Exeter, New Hampshire. And Philip Exeter Academy is kind of known as a feeder school for the Ivy Leagues. Now, I want you to think about the place that you went to middle school or high school. This is a day school and a boarding school, 9 through 12, and their endowment as of 2018 was 1.3 billion with a B, 1.3 billion dollars. They have more money behind them than most colleges and universities. It is an incredibly wealthy school. So, ain't that something? We've got somebody who comes from a uh, the lap of privilege, went to high school at probably one of the most elite schools in the United States, and then sort of like ushered away from Princeton to Stanford, getting a PhD from Harvard, and apparently only writing about 11 academic total papers, and then becoming the president of Harvard University at a cool $970,000 a year. We pulled up net worth. There's some like uh, arguments about what that is. There's some uh, real estate and things like that uh, that is kind of like being discussed in, in various different articles. So I always look at these and I look at the low level. The low level, they say, is that she's worth about $2 million. The high level is worth $14 million. And the claim is, is that she's gained several million dollars in net worth in the last like one or two years. So clearly someone who I would say is groomed for this position, whether or not she is suitable for it. Very interesting. It's a debasing of our value system. That's what it's about. When you put people that are not even parents on a school board, like Carl Friss, when you put people like Claudine Gay, who have no business being in charge of an academic institution like Harvard, that's where you're at. You know, you have basically, you've shorted it and you have changed the meaning of words. You have sold out your credibility. You have acts of love happening on the floor of the Senate. All of these things, uh, they all kind of line up with the same exact problem. It's this Joe Biden thing. We promised you decency. We promised you that the adults would be in charge. And instead, what they did is like something worse than what you'd find in Animal House. In fact, at least Animal House had normal sexual mores. All right. It's pretty shocking. It's pretty wild. This year is going to go down in the books for me as one of the most debased times in American history. We are living in a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. And the only question is, are there enough good men and women in this country that are going to keep God from sending a pillar of fire and burning down with brimstone uh, the entire existence of the American continent? Are we going to see the Chinese come in and take us all down? Are we going to see invasion from the southern border come and take us down? Or are there enough good people to stand in the gap that we are going to be able to swing it back? And I got to tell you, having been kind of staring at this stuff for the last couple of days, I actually, in a weird way, I feel more hopeful than ever, because this stuff feels like very desperate acts. We're going to bring Mark Halp on the show very, very soon. Whether or not it's before the end of the uh, the Tournament of Champions, the Catholic Prom King vote is sort of irrelevant. One of the things he said to me the first time we spoke, and I highly recommend you guys go back and watch our interview with Mark Halp, which happened somewhere maybe February or March of this year. I know I was still sitting in the trailer at the time, so check that out. Uh, Mark you know, called in and talked to me. It was on a recorded show. One of the things he said was, is that Satan is most loud and most aggressive, not when he's winning, but when he's losing. Just like a wounded lion, there was an entire proverb he, he talked about uh, in Africa where he spent some time. And the idea was, is that the loudest lion is not the one that is winning. The lion is winning when he's quiet and he's stealthy and when he's able to sneak under the radar. Right now, all this stuff is so wild and so out in the front of us, that there's no choice for us to but to pay attention to it. And if that wasn't enough warning for you, we have a little video here from a state senator in California. He's a Republican, and he is saying it very clearly. I've never heard people in California in public office speak like this. We're gonna do our last little video here. This is video number five. And folks, if you have not hit the like on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, if you're watching us on Rumble, please do hit that like. I know there's a number of you out there doing so. Make sure you hit that like, and it moves this, uh, this video up in the rankings. But more importantly, if you're watching anywhere else, please join us on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Let's play this video. This is a warning that should actually make uh, chills run down your spine at the same time as also make you say, of course, now when they recognize it, even in California, it's time. It's time to start making those actions. You guys got to find some higher ground because it sounds like the floods are coming. Let's play that video number five, Ryan. 
I'm now in year 11 in the state legislature, and all the time we're proposing policies to protect children. After 11 years, I've come to a conclusion that we need to start protecting parents. That's just not happening. I've been here witness a, a full frontal assault on charter schools, taking away parents' choice and how their children are going to be educated to the detriment, particularly of children of color. In recent years, we have put government bureaucrats between parents, children, and doctors when it comes to medical care. And now we have this, where if a parent does not support the ideology of the government, they're going to be taken away from the home. Now, I agree with both Senator Weiner and Senator Laird that today it only involves divorce proceedings. And frankly, a judge can already factor, factor this in. But I can assure you it's not going to end with divorce proceedings. In the past, when we've had these discussions and I've seen parental rights atrophied, I've encouraged people to keep fighting. I've changed my mind on that. If you love your children, you need to flee California. You need to flee. We are moving towards the pathway of the hands made tale. California is becoming the new Juliet. And it just breaks my heart. I'm born and raised in this state. I love this state. I'm not going to stay in this state because it's just too oppressive. And I believe in freedom. And so I'm going to move to America when I leave the legislature. Yeah, right there. He said it. California, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts. They're marked on the maps at this little gun range I used to go to down in Lockhart, Texas. They're covered in construction paper and they're handwritten on there. Not America. They're not interested in the values of America. This nation is a primarily Christian nation. You don't have to be Christian. That's the brilliance of it. We will protect your right not to be. But the values, even the people that are secular humanists, if you go and ask them what they think is valuable, they will tell you the values they have are fundamentally Christian, whether or not they, they attribute it to that or not. I don't actually care why you think the same way that I do, but we have the same values that people have individual worth and that these things are something worth protecting like children and women. There's a reason why. It's because all of your Western society has always pushed you to this belief. And that's what America has always been. If you don't believe in those things, if you swear in a stack of child pornography, you're not American. They have debased it. And this guy has finally said, you even heard him. He was even playing a little bit of a secular uh, sort of a leftist game right there. But this religion is ugly and it's devastating and people are leaving it. If you leave these places that are not America, guys, leave those shitty old values with you too. Come here and uh, let's push for a new birth of freedom in this country. We actually respect what this country was always about from the beginning. Let's wrap this up with a couple of thank yous. Let's say a uh, uh, thanks to my friend Garrett O'Boyle who made this shirt. You guys can go to the-suspendables.com, the-suspendables.com. Use my promo code KYLE. It'll save you a couple bucks. You'll be supporting the Garrett O'Boyle family sweatshop, keeping them working during the holidays, sweating through to the oldies or to, the, uh, to their favorite Christmas tunes. You guys can check out the hoodie, which I saw Ryan was wearing earlier today. I know he's wearing the a standard suspendable lightweight hoodie. It's a really, really comfy hoodie and it's soft and it looks great. There it is. It looks fantastic. That's a big badge. It's too. my favorite hoodie. It's really absolute favorite hoodie. I love looks, it, man. It's so nice. It, it looks kind of like a green arrow, which is kind of fun. That's a good looking color right there, folks. So check out uh, that. And like I said, the dash suspendables.com. You can go to the last line strength. If you want to buy the EMS one for the, your favorite paramedic or firefighter in your life, they got the blue line for all your favorite in law enforcement and the green line, which is going to be your favorite military um, maybe you have all of them like me. You fit into all three categories, which I think is kind of fun. Check out the last line strength tees. That's Garrett O'Boyle's Substack. Okay. And then we'll also say, if you guys are looking for something, mypillow.com slash Kyle, mypillow.com slash Kyle. You can use the promo code Kyle. If you need to get yourself into those sweet, my pillow options, like sheets, like towels, like super comfy slippers, which I still haven't ordered and I'm lazy. I'm actually wearing my beat up slippers right now. Maybe that's what my new year. You're missing out. Maybe that'll be my Christmas gift. My, my wife is like, what should I buy you? I said, don't buy me anything. Um, but maybe that's the right answer. Uh, check out mypillow.com slash Kyle. Same promo code as everybody else, guys. It gives you the same deals, but you're supporting the Kyle Seraphin Show. Let's do a thank you to our five-star reviews. You guys are pouring them in. The bet between me and our uh, producer emeritus, Phil, kind of fun. We're probably not going to get to 1,000 unless you guys lose your minds and go on a on a major tear in the last two weeks. But we are well over 850 right now, and I really appreciate you guys doing it. Go to the Apple Podcast link. You can also see it on True Social. This one is from Sully42. says, never give up. Five stars. I was slow to come to the show, even with my husband prodding me to listen. I thought, how much more bad news do I need? But I was wrong. 
If we don't support these brave people who lay it on the line by speaking the truth, we deserve the garbage government we have. Kyle is informative and slightly irreverent, mostly about Joe Biden. And I needed the chuckles. <laughs> Mr. O'Boyle, Mr. Friend are great as well. Do yourself a favor. Give it a listen. Let's take our country back. Nancy Sullivan. Thanks so much, Nancy. She put her Twitter handle out there. I love BL. What does it say? I love something. I love back, maybe. <laughs> Nancy, thanks for the uh, five-star review. There it is. Yeah. I love BKK. I don't know what BKK is. That uh, At I love BKK. Thanks so much for your five-star review. Folks, you can have yours read. You can leave it on there. If you want to get us on the race up to the 1,000 mark, we would appreciate it. Again, we got a couple of little quick uh, rumble rants to add through. Carlisle says, we better get ready for the pillar of fire because that's what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. 100% agree with that. That is definitely coming down the line here. And the last one was Dr. Carol Swain's background. She's earned everything she has achieved. Yep, she has a great book out there. Uh, we may get her on the show. She's been uh, on True Social and not able to gain following. So you guys can find her on Truth. She's got a very good following on Twitter. Let's do that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's have a good Monday. It's ugly out there, but like I said, I think there's some light because these people are very exposed right now and uh, it's getting even more ridiculous. They cannot maintain this level of ridiculousness before they fall right off the cliff. Otherwise, it's a finger of fire that burns us all down. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.